I was upset. I didn't think I had what it takes. It took a while to admit anything was wrong. Diet and exercise sounded intimidating. But small easy goals made it easy to start. Every situation is different. There are many paths to victory, but the end goal is all the same. This is the Weight Loss Podcast with Matt and Courtney, a couple who committed to a strategy and lost a combined 100 kilograms. When it comes to weight loss, you don't just need encouragement, you need a strategy. Hello and welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast. My name is Courtney and Matt and I are super excited today because we have our first guest on the show. Yes, we've been waiting for it for a while and today is the day, this is the episode where we have with us a very special guest, a friend and professional colleague of ours, Mr. Travis Klukin, who is the Director of Pathways Physiotherapy here in Melbourne, Australia. Travis is a physiotherapist with a graduate certificate in sports physiotherapy, as well as a master's, that's right, a master's in musculoskeletal physiotherapy. So Travis has been working now for 13 years in the physiotherapy industry. He's treated a wide range of sports and performance injuries and has also helped us on countless occasions uh, with gym-related pain, injuries, and rehabilitation with our own clients and ourselves. Trav has a special interest in all injuries of the hip and groin in particular. He also just uh, a couple of years ago started his own practice here in Melbourne, Australia called Pathways Physiotherapy. Travis, what the hell does musculoskeletal physiotherapy mean? <laughs> um, well, first of all, thanks heaps for having us, having me, guys. Uh, it's great to be here. You're both looking fantastic. I didn't realize that uh, clothing was optional during this podcast. <laughs> Very uh, good, <laughs> very good, no, totally optional. Right, well, but that's uh, why we do a podcast, that's why not we, a video. No one sees we're not wearing pants. Obviously, you practice what you preach because you're both looking uh, trim, taut and terrific, so Ooh. good on you Lunch guys. Lunch is on us, thank you. <laughs> um, so back to your question, what is musculoskeletal physiotherapy? Mm. So basically, what that means is that I treat and uh, assess people that have injury or pain related to their sporting or their exercise um, activities basically. Excellent. So thank you for coming aboard. We really appreciate it. So just uh, for your information, we do get a lot of questions from people about, well, there's, there's a concern that people have in terms of they want to lose weight, they want to get back in shape, they want to do whatever their goals are. But as as you would know by now, going through life, you do tend to pick up, you know, niggles, aches, pains, your arm might fall off, your hip might just pop out here and there, shit happens, as we say. So a lot of people though are concerned that the injuries that they've picked up over over the last couple of years or through the course of their life can prevent them from executing an exercise program effectively, which also then would, in theory, have a flow-on effect preventing them from hitting their weight loss goals. Uh, Courtney and I both know that isn't the case, but we figured we'd bring a legitimate bona fide expert on board to have a chat uh, about why that isn't the case. So again, thank you very much, Travis. Uh, we're gonna kick things off with, uh, I suppose the most obvious question. Is it possible to train around injuries and still lose weight? Of course, absolutely. I mean, that's why we're doing this podcast, isn't it? I think it's um, really important that all of your listeners out there realize that um, they should never let pain or injury stop them from trying to achieve their goals with weight loss. Um, so the short answer, of course, is yes. Uh, you're right, Matt. As you said in the intro there, shit does happen. <laughs> Gee, it's great saying that on a podcast. <laughs> um, very liberating. Um, but I think the, the thing that the listeners out there probably want to do, if they find that or they're concerned that an injury or pain is um, becoming a bit of a barrier to them taking on exercise, um, is that just to always remember that the, the key components to losing weight are exercise and nutrition. Um, and they're both integral you can't have one without the other and in order to do the exercise part it helps if you're feeling good about it feeling confident about what you're doing so the first step is really identifying the risk if you feel like you've had an injury or you've currently got an area where there is pain or injury um, identify that and bring it up with your personal trainer and I think that's where you guys are really good at making sure that you can identify um, issues you screen all your clients to make sure that there's any particular area that is sore 
Um, so that's the first step. Would you agree, Matt? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you've got to screen everyone because in the end, everyone has their own individual backgrounds uh, and their own individual, you know, the can-dos and the can't-dos. So I think really, you know, we're, we're being ethical and diligent with screening the people for, for these conditions because in the end, we can't diagnose. We can treat, but we can't diagnose. And that's what we have, you know, have yourself for. And I think that um, the next step after you identify the risk and bring it up with your personal trainer is making sure that you're aware that you will probably need to modify the exercise when you first start. Uh, certainly, if you've got a particular problem area in the body, um, it's still good to exercise that area, but you might need to get some advice from either your uh, personal trainer or your physiotherapist about how best to exercise that area. And then the next step is really making sure that if you do have a particular injury or painful area, that you're starting light and then progressing very slowly, which I know you do very well with your uh, clients, Matt. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's essential. You know, set a um, set a baseline, um, assess where people are at, and then just slowly, progressively build it up. I mean, one of the sayings I have is, "No one ever got an injury going too light, but you can get yep. an injury going too heavy." Absolutely. All right, so that's fantastic. Thanks so much for that. Next question for yourself, Trav. What have been the most common injuries you've come across that affect exercise? Mm. Um, Certainly there are some common areas that keep coming up again and again when people start exercise and there's a few different reasons for that. Uh, Number one is shoulder pain. Shoulder pain is really common. There used to be an old saying, weight train shoulder pain, uh, which I don't necessarily think is always the case. I think that with the way that um, form is being taught these days, I think that is becoming less of a risk. But certainly, um, the shoulders are um, joints in the body that are quite vulnerable to injury because they're not particularly stable joints. There's a lot of muscles that are really important around the shoulder. In a lot of people, if they haven't exercised for a long period of time, they can get quite strong, uh, sorry, quite weak in the muscles that we call the rotator cuff. And these muscles are really important muscles that protect the shoulder joint. And like anything else, if we don't use them that often, they can become quite weak. And then if we decide to get into exercise and suddenly start loading them up, they can be prone to injury. So that's a particularly common one. And another particular cause of shoulder pain is just having poor posture, which Mm. a lot of us suffer from, Matt. Yes, uh, it it does tend to be common with uh, sedentary people, overweight people, or both. Uh, It's pretty easy to see when people come in to see us and people that we work with, they will come in with postural issues, but over time they can be corrected. But I think it also obviously does inform exercise selection and how you progress people where if you're dealing with postural issues, you do need to be considerate of those. Uh, and I think, you know, for us at least, having yourself there as a person that we can refer to and bounce off helps us with being able to work around postural considerations. Mm. And I think just let, you know, let the person training gradually improve things over time. So Absolutely. obviously a lot of people we all pick up conditions, aches and pains, etc. Quite a few people, and I've I've been there myself, um, will attempt to exercise through the pain. Uh, I think some people use it as a badge of honor. You know, be hard, be tough, just work through it. What would you consider to be an unreasonable amount of pain when exercising? When should you go, hey, this is too much, I need to go and get this looked at or just stop what I'm doing and then get a, an assessment? Yeah, that's an interesting question, Matt, because obviously everyone's own subjective uh, feeling of pain is quite different. Um, and it's really important though, I think, to understand pain that is good pain from working your muscles um, and actually strengthening versus the pain that might be happening over a joint or on the tendon close to the joint um, that is perhaps more sharp in nature and that increases with every repetition. I find that with muscular pain, uh, typically while you're actually working out, um, performing your reps, it's not too bad as you're warm and it's more after the fact that it will be a little bit stiff and sore, but it will usually settle down relatively quickly. Whereas um, pain that we don't want, um, the damaging, I guess, for want of a better word, type of pain, Um, Typically, throughout a uh, set will get worse and worse as you go through your set, uh, and then we'll continue to linger through the rest of the session regardless. The other thing that I like to get my patients to do is just be wary of um, how long that pain lasts for 
from a number of days point of view. Obviously, you've got your delayed onset muscle soreness or your DOMS, which is very common, particularly when you're starting a new exercise or a new regime. And that usually comes on between 24 and 48 hours after the session. And it feels quite dull. It's quite muscular. You feel like you've worked an area hard um, versus, say, a, a pain that comes on, say, after you've cooled down after an exercise routine which then continues through the night and is quite sore the next morning um, that may be again close to the joint or to the tendon. That's a pain that you probably want to tell your personal trainer about and keep an eye on. And certainly if it gets bad enough, uh, consult your physiotherapist. Yeah, good. I like it. Thanks so much for that. So staying on the topic of you know picking up conditions, injuries, etc., and working through them, I know this from, from firsthand experience. I think, I think a lot of people can relate to this when you've worked through an injury, it is normal to second guess what you are now doing mm. for fear of reoccurrence. Mm. Yep. So do you have any advice for someone in this situation where they just rehabilitated an injury and they want to get back into the gym, get active again, but they're concerned about flaring it up again? What advice can you give to, to get through this? Yeah, I think that's a really good point that you make. I think it's our normal protective mechanism to be a bit cautious when we've had an injury and we start working that area out uh, in the gym. You only need to look at professional sports people that say have had a hamstring strain or a a a big knee operation or something like that. Usually they don't get back to performing at 100%. Sometimes for up to 12 months following the injury, it just takes time to get that confidence back. So I think it really comes down to the trust in the people that you're working with. So if you've got a a good coach, um, a good personal trainer, a good physio who's guiding you, it's about trusting them, uh, letting them modify the exercises and they'll be completely aware of your particular issues and your anxieties. So they'll make sure that they're modifying your exercises to minimize the impact on that area and just build very slowly. Certainly that's something that we, um, we work a lot with at our clinic. Um, but I tell you what, when they have the confidence, when those people have the confidence to continue to work through it, gee, they get the rewards. Uh, yeah, they do. And it is, I think it is extremely common to have those concerns. And it can be easier said than done to fully place the trust in the people that you're working with. But I suppose, you know, when, you've, when you're engaging people's services, and you're engaging the, the help of professionals, you do need to take that leap of faith, don't you, really? Yeah, and I think that's why it's good to have a team around you as well. If you've got a good personal trainer, um, a good physiotherapist, a good doctor, etc., and also friends that are supportive, I think that uh, really helps with that trust. Oh yeah, that just the topic of support network is something that Courtney and I have spoken about uh, at length, and will continue to, because you know, Courtney, I'm sure you'll agree, as we said before, that a support network is essential. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. I don't, I don't think it can be honestly be emphasized enough how important it is and I think it's really underestimated. Why? I just I just don't, I just don't think people like to rely to think about relying on other people to help them through them they maybe don't feel comfortable opening up to other people. Mm, fear of being vulnerable perhaps. Yeah, being judged. I mean no one look, wants to look silly. Um, especially if you've tried other things in the past as well. I think then we often tell ourselves that the there's certain people aren't going to approve of what we're doing because it's just another thing um, that that you're doing. So I think all those things then, fear of looking silly, fear of opening themselves up to people, being judged, all those sort of things really come into play when we're talking about why people don't open up. Yeah, and I think just that whole first step of asking for help is the biggest one. Yeah, and I think the other thing as well is just understanding that Sometimes you do need to take a little bit of a leap of faith when you start exercising when you've had an injury or pain before. But general rule of thumb, if you start light and just build very slowly within your means, you're really not going to do damage to anything. And if you do start to develop pain, then consult someone and have a chat to someone about it. Yeah, and I think that's also one of the the benefits of sort of structured uh, exercise and structured training is that if you do start with a, a fairly low level of intensity and you know progressively gradually build it up your body is going to condition itself yeah to what you're doing and one of the rewards that you do get through through that sort of consistent approach to your training is that your body can gradually handle more of a load mm. and then you can obviously push a bit harder get more out of it etc but it does start with um with going in light doesn't it really and it does aid healing too so we know with all the silent science that continues to come through that 
with any joint or any tendon or any muscle injury, the stronger you can get, but making sure that you're taking it slowly, the stronger you can get, the better it will heal and the stronger that particular body part will be. So for instance, another really common um, injury when people start at the gym um, is getting sore knees. And obviously inherently within the customers or clients that you would see, Matt, you would see a lot of people that are quite overweight. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the big risk factors of being overweight is having osteoarthritis and other problems with their knees. Um, and then there's a bit of a catch-22 because clearly they need to exercise to lose weight, but it is quite painful to exercise for these people. So I think it's really important that they understand that they can start really light, as light as even though they might think they're being silly by starting off really, really light and just slowly progress. Even things like arthritis and the pain that you get from osteoarthritis can actually reduce quite significantly with exercise. And today there's science showing us that exercise to a joint like a knee is actually can be more effective in the long term and preventing pain than taking medications can. Really? Mm. That's um, that's music to my ears. <laughs> I thought it might be. Um, I, think, I think also what you've done there, Trav, you've really highlighted just the, I suppose, the, the many benefits that come with getting stronger. Yep. I mean, are there any side effects to getting stronger physically? No negative ones that I can see. I, none, none that I know of. <laughs> I mean, you know, from injury prevention, injury rehabilitation, controlling and reversing type 2 diabetes, functional movement, functional strength. Like where it goes beyond just, you know, looking good, even though we all want to look good. There's so much more to it when you get stronger than just looking good. You get all these additional benefits, especially, I think, as we age, because, you know, none of us are avoiding that at least not anytime soon, we're all getting older. Um, we all want to maintain the quality of life as we get older. And that, that strength that naturally goes away from us as part of the aging process, being able to keep that is such a gift. There's nothing wrong with getting strong, Matt. <laughs> no, there isn't. It's, uh, it's only a good thing. You find that funny, Courtney? Yeah. Got the giggles over there? Sorry. I might have stolen that from another physio out there on the Twitter sphere, so um, don't let him know that I stole it. No, it's okay. Nothing's original these days. <laughs> uh, every, everything is stolen from something, so that's fine. All right, so that's really, really cool. Uh, so moving on to the next question for you there, Trav. Let's set a scenario here. Let's say you've got someone who has been inactive for some time, you know, many, many months, if not years. They want to drop some unwanted weight, they want to get active, they want to start to turn their lifestyle around, Mm. but they are carrying at least one older injury or condition, if not a bit of a a collection of them. What advice could you give to someone in a situation like this? They want to get started, but they're afraid that their injuries are Mm. holding them back. Yeah, I think step one, as uh, much as I'm repeating myself, is just get some advice. Um, Have a chat to someone about the fact that you're um, you've got a painful area and you're concerned about starting exercise because um, it can be hard. You're kind of taking a stab in the dark if you're um, just trying um, exercises that might be in a magazine or might be on the internet or might be on a phone app um, because you don't know if those exercises are going to be right for your specific issue. Um, it's good to have a chat to either a personal trainer or a physiotherapist about um, what to start with. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, even if you're just starting with something really simple like going for a walk for instance Um, there aren't many injuries there are a couple but there aren't too many injuries that are going to be um, aggravated or um, increased by just going for a walk so that's a really good place to start you can get that lovely endorphin release by getting outside and just moving around Um, but um, yeah I think it's uh, it, it is really important to have a bit of an idea and a bit of a plan as to what your goals are and um, the, the right place to start I think what you said there touches on a, uh, a good point that really speaks to the importance of planning and structuring someone's training. Because you're right, in terms of, it's very easy to get on, on Google because Google knows everything. Uh, type in best exercises for weight loss and away you go. Mm. Except one size does not fit all. Absolutely. We've all got different shapes, different sizes, different abilities, different backgrounds. So there will be indeed certain exercises that uh, won't agree with us. I know there's certain exercises that I can't do now as I've been getting older. Yep. And, and this is a common thing that you know, our bodies change, our abilities change. But the importance of planning out your training and having a, a structure in place, I don't think can be overstated. Especially, it's, it's a common fear of people starting any new program, regardless of you know, pre-existing injuries or conditions, 
where they're afraid of hurting themselves. But that's also where I think, as you said as well, Trav, having that support and guidance in place with setting a structure that you personally can sustain mm. is going to help a lot to you know, not just take these, these physical steps forward, but take the mental steps forward that come with it in terms of building your confidence in yourself and what you're doing. Absolutely. So um, sum, summing that up, like you really nailed that. Oh, thank well, you. Like to, total swish. Well <laughs> done. Total swish. Half court shot. Nailed it. Uh, I can so, tell because you're not wearing any clothes that you enjoyed that one. <laughs> I feel like there's a bit of a bromance going on over here. Whoa, it's getting hot in here. <laughs> it's getting hot in here. All right. So uh, next question for you there, Trav. Uh, yes. I'm going to um, change the change the pace of this one a little bit. Yep. Back on the straight and narrow. No. So to speak. Well, yes, yeah, so to speak. All right, stretching. Yes. Now, there are a lot of armchair experts out there. The internet has a habit of making everyone an expert at everything. How do you think I got to where I am? Uh, there are a lot of theories out there about stretching, but we aren't that interested personally in theories. We're interested in what the science says. What does the latest science say when it comes to stretching? Is there a best a best time to stretch or do we even need to stretch? What's up, bro? Yeah, bro, that is a tough question to answer. I, we I asked knew, the tough question. I knew you were going to ask this, so I actually tried to do a bit of research into this. And whoa, whoa, am, hang on. You tried to do some research. What are we doing here? Well, in, in stretching anyway, because certainly I don't, I don't use it a whole lot in my practice anymore, not as much as I used to back when I first graduated 13 years ago. But... Um, Certainly, there's been a lot of research done in look, looking at stretching. And I think years and years or decades ago, we started stretching because you feel like something is happening when you stretch. You feel like you're getting some form of benefit. Um, but all the um, science and the research papers that have been written up on stretching have failed to actually find a lot of benefit. But there are a couple of points I will make. Mm -hmm. um, there has been shown to be some risk if you're performing a high-velocity, high-impact or powerful activity, that if you stretch within five minutes prior to that activity, that it can actually increase your risk of injury. However, if you're doing an endurance-type event, so you're going for a run, for instance, or getting on the bike and doing it at a, at a kind of an average or slow pace, um, there can be some benefit in stretching prior to that particular form of exercise. Um, but... Generally, because there's still a lot of unknown about stretching, uh, I typically focus on the warm-up and making sure that within that warm-up, you've got something cardiovascular, so you're getting a little bit of a sweat up, so whether that be walking, riding, um, something along those lines. And then you're actually practicing what you're about to be doing in your chosen sport or exercise routine at a lower intensity first. So you mentioned uh, a, a powerful or explosive movement. Can you elaborate on what uh, what would be classed as those? So, for instance, if you're playing a sport like um, Aussie rules football, basketball, volleyball, um, then there can could be some risk to stretching immediately before that particular type of sport. Or if you're in the gym and doing um, powerful box jumps or um, you've got a bit of a power type routine, then it could be risky to do stretching immediately before that particular routine. Would you count... Uh, weight training in that category? Well, it kind of depends on your pace. If you're doing it purely for strength and you're doing it at a slow pace, yes. um, there's not necessarily the same negative impact, but there's also not the positive impact with that either. Okay. Um, if you were doing it at a faster pace for power benefits, then yep. it could potentially have a negative impact. So in this case, you're really looking at, I guess you'd almost say sport-specific training. So... You know, plyometrics for yes. baseball, yep. football, etc. Right. Yeah, yep. okay. But for you know the average the average person in the gym doing your standard quote unquote, mm. you know, getting you know weightlifting for yes. strength improvements and transformation, much of a muchness. Much of a muchness, and I really think that you can't go wrong by just doing a lighter set to start up to warm up because it's specific to that exercise, and it's going to get those muscles coordinating and working in the right way to prepare for that exercise, and it helps warm up those muscles also. I'm very glad you brought that up. Uh, just uh, as a note on that case, speaking of warm-up, just so you know, Courtney and I, we do uh, get our clients to perform a very specific uh, structured warm-up before they do their, their weight training sessions in the gym, either in their own gym or in our gym with us. 
what I might do on the show notes page for this episode, Courtney, what's the website address? Podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com is our email address. Wow, you just totally destroyed that in a bad way. Then, what's the website address, dear? I realized once I'd started speaking that you said website, not email. The website is just theweightlosspodcast.com. It's so hard to find good help. It really is. <laughs> so thank you, Courtney. Yep, the show notes page at theweightlosspodcast.com. I'll put a link in there to a fantastic article that explains... Uh, a fantastic warm-up that we put our clients through with their weight sessions that, as Travis just uh, touched on, works as well as a uh, as a stretching tool whilst literally warming the muscles up in preparation for improving upon what you did during your last workout. Uh, so uh, thanks for bringing that up, Trav. That's, um, that's a good one. Yeah, no worries at all, mate. And just one other thing, before I get calls from people out there um, slamming me for slamming stretching. Or tweets. Um, yeah, Angry exactly. tweets. <laughs> At Trav Klukin, in case you're wondering. Um, follow me. Uh, <laughs> Boom. So we're talking about static stretching. So when you're sitting, performing a stretch and holding it for 30 to 60 seconds here. And I'm also not saying that that's a bad thing to do. Certainly, if you want to improve the range of movement of your joints or improve the flexibility of your muscles, there's certainly good evidence that that can help that. But we're talking about as a warm-up or prior to exercise, um, there hasn't been any evidence to prove that that's effective or positive. And there has been, in some cases, some evidence to prove that it could be have a, ne- a negative impact. Um, And the other thing I would just say, if you watch um, the telecast of an AFL match, usually you'll see the players doing what we call dynamic stretching. So they're actually um, in the rooms, uh, moving around, leg in and out, stretching the leg in a dynamic way where it's moving the whole time. Um, That's been shown to be a lot more beneficial than static stretching. But again, it really comes down to continuing to move to get everything warm. Um, The other thing they use is foam rollers, Matt. Oh yeah, foam rollers. Uh, we will be getting to that. I'm glad you brought that one up. Um, so we have just been talking about stretching from a scientific standpoint because mm-hmm. we like to you know, deal with the known facts. Can I completely go against our own theory and get anecdotal here for a second? Sure. All right. So here at the Weight Loss Podcast, we like to say one thing and do another. Um, that's just how we roll apparently. <laughs> uh, but just from my own personal experience or professional experience working as a PT, and Courtney, I know you can back me up on this because you've done this um, before Before you shamelessly hit on me, um, back when you were my <laughs> client originally. No? Okay, cool. No, I'm Excellent. not even commenting <laughs> on nothing. that one. Just not going to touch that one? No. Okay, I'm used to it. All right, so one thing I found useful, and Travis, you are welcome to completely say how full of shit I am or how useful this may be. Oh, this is fun. Yeah, this this is this is exposed Matt as the fraud he actually is part <laughs> of the show. What I've done with my clients um, is rather than give them stretches of what they've just done. So let's say a client has done a leg session in the gym. Mm-hmm. The doms start to set in sooner or later, mm-hmm. we get a little bit sore. I've never really seen the need to do a stretch directly after a weight training session just because what you've done the actual exercise is the muscles are stressed. Mm. What I've uh, done with my clients and advise them if they do feel a bit stiff, they do feel a bit sore, which is obviously inevitable with hard training, feel free to stretch those muscles that you worked in the next 24 to 48 hours after they've actually cooled down. Am I full of shit? Yes, but not in this case. So generally, yes, but this case, no. Excellent. No, I, I think you're spot on. I mean, certainly there has been shown in the science to be some um, benefits of stretching as a cool down. So doing stretching after sport and after exercise. Um, but again, it's a little bit mixed. Some studies say definitely yes. Some studies say definitely no. Um, I think at the end of the day, though, it really comes down to personal preference. So if mm. you feel like you get benefit from stretching, then you're probably getting benefit from stretching. So do it after every session. Um, if you don't feel like it adds value and you're just as happy to go for a walk and just stretch out that way or even pop you know, ice packs on sore muscles or even better go to Port Phillip um, Bay and risk a stingray <laughs> attack and, and do some um, uh, immersion therapy, then that, that's a good idea. But if, you, if you're into stretching, by all means, um, get, get down on the ground, do some stretching after your exercise routine. It's not going to do any harm. All right, Courtney, I'm going to wake you up and bring you in on this one. Uh, can you just give your personal experience on, you know, you've you've 
done plenty of stretching yourself in the past. What do you what do you find works for you personally? Uh, I hate stretching. Okay, excellent. Thank you. <laughs> I, I hate stretching because it hurts. So I try oh. to avoid stretching where where possible. But you try oh, you probably need it if it hurts. Yeah, yeah, true that. But I don't I don't find stretching comfortable. Um, I well, you touched on it before, Matt. In our gym, we don't stretch before or after weight training sessions. So the only time in the past I have used stretching would be, uh, as you said, Matt, the day after or 48 hours after I've worked out, if I am feeling quite tight or quite sore, I might uh, do a little bit of static stretching in those areas that I worked out, you know, the two days previous or something like that. Uh, Generally speaking, it's mostly if I feel quite tight as a result of lifting weights. Uh, but I've also found, as Trav said, walking it out has been really helpful in the past as well. Mm. Excellent. All right, we'll move on to uh, the next question for you, Trav. So there are now plenty of, let's call them accessories that are available now for you know the active individual that want to maintain their body. Because obviously, you know, training is healthy, but we are humans, we're not robots, we do need the occasional bit of servicing. You know, we need to rest, recover, take care of our bodies, etc. Uh, can you recommend any any sort of accessories like, as you said before, foam rollers, spiky balls, etc., that may be useful for someone that is an active person that wants to keep themselves in one piece? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, one of the things about strength training is that you are overloading the body. So it's normal to get tight in certain muscles that aren't used to that. Um, and to maintain the right balance in our muscles, I think it's important that we're doing some form of self-massage or at least, or even going to get a massage. Um, so what spi- sort of massage, if I could ask? Oh, any form of massage, to be honest. Yep. Um, I don't really have a particular preference, but certainly self-massage as well can be quite good for people. So we recommend spiky balls. Um, they're really good for getting into areas like the pecs, um, which helps with uh, maintaining the balance of your shoulder and shoulder blade. Um, they're really good to use on your glutes as well for people that might be getting um, a little bit of hip or back tightness as well. And then we also recommend foam rollers, which are really great to get into your iliotibial bands, which I know Courtney Whoa. loves. Whoa, yeah, we're I love it so much. <laughs> the ITB. The ITB. So the ITB, for those of you that don't know, is the uh, the tendon that runs from the outside of your hip all the way down to the outside of your knee. Uh, when it gets tight, it can cause both hip and knee pain. So it's nice to be able to stay on top of that by um, using a foam roller to massage sometimes over the IT band itself, but also slightly to the front of it, which is the quadricep muscle, and then slightly to the back of it, the back of the thigh, the hamstring as well. Um, so both of those products are really good to stay on top of um, those tight muscles. Can I just point out that it is normal for that to really hurt? <laughs> yeah, it Tell hurts. us more, Courtney. <laughs> tell, tell us more about your pain. <laughs> that, that really hurts when you do that. So don't think that you're the only one. You yes. know, the, the ITB is a particularly tender area um, when you hit it during a, a massage or if you feel it. Speaking of massage, Trav, if I could mm. ask, I just mm. sort of touched on it, but I will get a bit specific here. Yeah. Remedial massage versus relaxation. Uh, benefits in terms of exercise, one versus the other, are there? To be honest, I, I mean, I'm not a specialist in, there, in this area. We use massage as a tool to release muscles that are problematic in our practice. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're feeling tight from gym, you want to get a massage that allows you to relax and releases those muscles. So there are some people that will struggle with a firmer, harder massage. And if they're tense throughout that entire massage, they're going to end up feeling worse afterwards. So for that type of person, they're probably better off just getting a relaxation massage, but just asking the masseuse perhaps to go a little bit firmer in in some areas that are particularly tight. Um, But for those who just fall asleep when they get a relaxation massage, they're probably better off getting a firmer um, style of massage. Yeah, okay. Uh, so, bonus question for you, Trav. Oh, I love a bonus question. All right, we're going to get one. So, Do I get extra uh, points for this? Maybe. Possibly. Excellent. Good. So, you guys in your clinic uh, do Pilates and offer Pilates. Can you just give a bit of a, a bit of an overview on what is Pilates and yep. how is it beneficial? Yep. So, Pilates is a really good way to um, work on your core muscles and not just core muscles of your spine, but every joint in the body has a set of core muscles that 
maintain the health of that particular joint and make sure that that joint is working properly. So in Pilates, we look to target, target those muscles uh, so that the body is able to function optimally. It's particularly good for someone who's overcoming an injury. So we get a lot of people that come into our clinic that are suffering from back pain, shoulder pain, hip pain, um, knee pain, and clinical Pilates, which is using specific Pilates exercises to treat a specific painful problem or injury, is a really lovely way to rehab so that um, patients that might be suffering from that pain can overcome that pain quicker. Uh, and then also to get their bodies functioning 100% as quickly as possible, which then allows them to do other things that they might want to do, like get into the gym and go extra hard in the gym. I like it. Uh, another bonus question because we like to keep you on your toes. Sweet. So you have worked with you know people of all ages, backgrounds, shapes, sizes, experience, etc. Yep. Uh, I know this is a podcast about injuries, but something mm. I've noticed in my experience as a, as a trainer with people is that injuries has something in common with age mm. and that people like to use it as a crutch. Yes. Now, in your experience, have you ever worked with someone or anyone that you would say is too old to make improvements? Never. Thank you. And in fact, one of my big bugbears, thanks for bringing this up, Pleasure. Matthew. Um, when people say, oh yeah, my knee hurts, but it's just old age. That bugs the hell out of me. I've triggered him. Go oh for it. Let's go. Oh my God. Like, just because we are all getting older doesn't mean that we should just put up with the pain that we're experiencing. So sure, you know, my shoulders are more likely to get sore as I get older, but I'm going to do something about that. I'm going to make sure that I'm exercising my shoulders to keep them as strong as possible so they don't deteriorate at the same rate as someone who is doing absolutely nothing about it. Um, the number of patients that come in and just say, listen, there's nothing I can do. It's just arthritis. I've been told by my GP, there's nothing I can do. And it's like, well, actually, the research tells us that if you've got arthritis in a joint, the best way to look after it is to strengthen the, the muscles around the joint, get as fit as you absolutely can, and lose weight. If you can do those three things, the research tells us that you can avoid uh, joint surgery, even in a really severe cases, for as much as six years. So what you're saying is, hang on, stop the press. Yes. What you're saying here is that getting fitter, stronger, and losing weight has benefits. <laughs> Holy shit. Absolutely. Groundbreaking, isn't it? Wow. Unbelievable. So I just um, I just triggered you on that one. I'm glad I asked mm. that question. Um, Courtney, do you have any extra questions for Trav before we wrap the show up? Actually, I'm, I'm glad that Trav brought that one up because I've heard it a lot before as well in terms of back pain. Mm. The, age, of, the age thing. Well, just... Oh, I'm, I've got back pain, but it's just normal. I'm busy and it's just because of work and my busy life or, you know, things like that. I think mm. that people contribute um, pain to that sort of thing. And I'll put this to you, Travis. Is there any such thing as normal pain? <laughs> like people just think, oh, it's normal to have back pain. And I would think that uh, potentially it's not normal to have back pain. No, I'd 100% agree with that. And there's always something you could be doing to improve it. It's really just about prioritizing it. And I think we all get lost in our busy lives. We've all got a lot to do and we're all um, working hard. And it's hard sometimes, I understand that, to um, prioritize exercise, You know, whether it be daily or two or three times a week. But it's amazing if you can break that cycle and actually prioritize some time to look after yourself and take the initiative and do some exercises for your own back to stretch it out or do some Pilates or whatever it might be or go for a walk. It's amazing the change that we actually see in ourselves. It's just about making that um, making a decision to prioritize it. Uh, fantastic. And Courtney, you just touched on something that I have to ask you, Travis. Work. Yes. So a lot of people will work at either very physical jobs. Some people will be anchored to a desk all day, slashed in a chair. Yep. What advice can you give to someone that is finding that, let's say they're in an office, uh, a standard standard uh, nine to five job, anchored to a chair and a desk most of the day, and they start to find that they get you know pain behind their shoulders or pain mm. in their lower back. Mm. What's the best way to approach this for someone that's, that thinks that their work may be contributing to general discomfort? Get up and move, Matt. That's the, uh, that's the shortest answer. I mean, certainly there's more and more, um, I guess, knowledge getting out there about the, um, 
the negative effects of sitting for too long, particularly in our jobs. Um, Sit-stand desks have become more readily available these days and certainly are cheaper than they've ever been. So I think that that's a good idea for someone who's going to be sitting eight hours a shift uh, in their job so getting up and moving sometimes it's just a matter of setting your alarm for every half an hour to get up and just walk and grab a drink of water or go to the toilet or you know it only needs coffee. to be another coffee it only needs to be for a minute um, just to get up and start moving and it just the body wasn't designed to be sitting in place for that long mm. um, and usually when we start getting soreness whether it be between our shoulder blades in our neck and our lower back it's our body telling us hey can you get this weight off me I need you to move around so that we can stay healthy yeah movement movement helps especially as we get older the body uh, the body can't afford to be sitting all day no yeah, I think that that's a good point as well you brought up, Trav, about those sit-stand desks because you see those a lot now being advertised. So they're obviously in your mind quite helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't necessarily think that you have to be standing all day either. I mean, standing in the one spot can also have its issues. Really? It's just about, yeah, it's just about changing positions. So I usually recommend if someone's been, you know, someone's sitting eight hours 100% of the time, usually I'd suggest standing for, you know, 10 to 15 minutes every hour just to start when they first get a sit-stand desk and then slowly build up to their about 50-50. So 50% of the time sitting, 50% of the time standing, but rotating every half an hour. So they're not in any one position for three or four hours in a row. Also, the fit balls as chairs mm. were some are often quite popular. OH&S. <laughs> Those the, it became really popular for a while, and then yeah. then they started tripping people over, yeah. um, and we actually found that the 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 muscular control to actually sit on one of those things all day can actually cause pain as well. Mm-hmm. So again, it's it's not about any gimmick; it's just about changing position routinely and getting into that habit. So the uh, the fit balls were a bit of a gimmick. When it comes to sitting at a desk, yeah. I mean, they're great for exercise and they're great yeah, for other uses. For sure. Um, but in terms of sitting on a, on a fitball at a desk, I mean, there are certainly some people out there that would love it and that's fine. Um, but it's not necessarily something that I would recommend. I had no idea. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I thought that they weren't because they did tend to go out of fashion mm. um, in terms of, of workplaces, I think. Most workplaces are tending to be a little bit better at this sort of thing now, mm. especially when it comes also to repetitive movements of workers and things like that. Yeah. Um, I think in the past, you probably have seen, Trav, a lot of repetitive movement problems with elbows and shoulders and things like that, whereas I think there's a, a lot more emphasis on OH&S now in workplaces and there should be rotating people around. Yeah, and I think employers are getting more flexible now. So they're you know, willing to um, modify people's hours. So perhaps they're spending a bit more time working from home as well, which just means that you can actually lie down on your floor and do some stretches or do some exercises halfway through the day if you feel the need, um, which is useful. And on work sites, so more in factory workers, um, staff are getting rotated amongst different factory presses so that they're actually doing different um, movements throughout the day. That's fantastic. I guess there's only one last question that I would ask you, Trav, which Mm. is just what you would want people to know about physios and how you can help them. That's, uh, yeah, that's a really good question. I think um, getting the, uh, it's really important that people know that we want to encourage people to exercise and we want people to be active, healthy, and happy. Um, So, I think some people are a bit afraid if they're attending gym regularly that they're going to see their physio and the physio is going to tell them to stop exercising for an indefinite period of time. That's another bugbear of mine, by the way, Matt. You're about to, that, <laughs> you're about to trigger us both. <laughs> yeah. You're about to trigger when, us both. There still are some physios out there that will say, oh, you know, I'm not that shoulder. You shouldn't be doing any exercise in the gym for six weeks. And then six weeks rolls around and they're still struggling and they never quite get back. I think it's really important as physios that we're in, you know, when someone actually gets the motivation to go to an exercise regularly we need to harness that motivation and keep it going the worst thing we can do is to stop them in their tracks because people then completely lose momentum I think it's really important that we are able to communicate with our client and also the personal trainer who might be looking after or helping that client along to be able to modify their routine so they're doing different exercises that perhaps take load off the injured area for a short period of time while we try and treat the area get it stronger again, and then reintegrate them back into doing that exercise again. I think that's really important. 
you know that there is not much that shits me more than, as you just said, Trav, when you've got someone that makes the decision, that's it, I'm ready, I'm going to improve myself and my life, but first I should get this bung shoulder checked out, yep. just to be told, oh, sorry, go and hit the couch for the next six weeks and let it get better. Yeah. You can't go wrong with getting strong, Matt. Oh, you, okay. That needs to be trademarked. <laughs> Just wanted to that needs to be <laughs> repeat trademarked. myself there. Yeah, but um, it's such a good point to make where, you know, promoting an active lifestyle and promoting yeah. movement is so healthy. And as a, a bit of a digression, that's also why Travis and I have developed such a, a fantastic working relationship and bromance over the years <laughs> is that we see completely eye to eye because I, I personally can't think of anything worse than having that moment where you decide you're ready to change for someone to take it away from you yeah. by saying, oh yeah, sorry, no, you can't go do that. Worst yeah. advice ever, unless obviously there's something fairly pressing like surgery is required. Yeah. And, and that's also a rare case. Exactly. It is a rare case, but it does happen sometimes where you might have someone who's ruptured their Achilles or they've actually <laughs> torn something that requires surgery. Oh, a, a ruptured Achilles? <laughs> yes. You, you may need to take some time off. Hey, but you know what? You can still do shoulder press, Matt. Yeah, you can actually, and bench press. Can you do Yeah, bench press, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, just uh, leg day goes away. When there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, that's true. Um, you are surprised what you can work around. But in all seriousness, I mean, there is the occasional um, situation where we do need to refer people off for scanning or for a surgeon, um, and we'll do that um, readily. Um, but there are certainly more cases where someone hasn't done anything that serious, and they just need the right advice about how to look after their injured shoulder, their injured knee, or their injured back. They need some treatment, and then they need some advice on the best exercises to get their core muscles working well so that they can then reintegrate back into doing everything they were doing previously at the gym again. So here's a question, another mm. question, talking about uh, you know promoting people, exercising, etc. In yep. your In your experience so far over the last decade plus, what has happened where you've had to say to someone, you shouldn't exercise? What's brought that on? Because that's pretty serious. Um, the only situation I can think of, well, yeah, there's a couple of situations in the short term. So for instance, if someone's uh, torn their ACL, for example, or as I mentioned before, ruptured their Achilles, we need to get that seen to. So they need to um, get some scanning done. Um, they'll likely need surgery for that as well. But even after the surgery, if they're keen, we'll usually get them into the gym doing something upper body in the quite early anyway. So at least they're getting some muscle changes and some health changes um, while protecting the area that's been operated on um, but I have also had a patient that has um, had a, a quite a severe low back injury um, that has required surgery also and that would certainly be a, a situation where I would um, send them straight to a surgeon and uh, not recommend any exercise until they'd had that addressed. Well said. Courtney, you. anything you want to add? No, I think mostly just that I, I, I think summing up as well, it's I think Trav, you'll agree that it's quite normal to either have injuries or develop injuries over time. I think a lot of people have a misconception. They get frustrated with themselves if they get injured. Well, they failed. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I know I've, I've spoken to a lot of clients in the past where I've said, you know, if, if you're not coming in with some sort of injury, then just years of inactivity and then starting activity, being active, will generally highlight some sort of injury or niggle that you've mm. had mm. that you may not have realized that was there. Yeah. And it is usually, as you mentioned, Trav, very treatable and you can go on with your life once it is treated and much happier and healthier. But I think it's also really important just to highlight that that these sort of injuries or niggles, little small little niggles here and there can be very common. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I can certainly, because um, I've you know injured myself working out as well before and been able to get through it, but certainly it's understandable that if someone starts exercising after not exercising for a long period of time and they do injure themselves, that, that can be very frustrating and upsetting. But I think it's important to remember what your ultimate goal is. The ultimate goal is to get active, healthy and happy and look after yourself and lose weight if you need to. Um, so if you get the right advice, you'll be able to get on top of that injury fairly quickly and still be able to work out at the same time. So it's really important not to catastrophize and get Ooh. too upset about it. 
um, say, okay, this has happened. Um, I've got a good personal trainer. I've got a team, good team around me, a good physiotherapist. I'm going to do the rehab that they asked me to do and I'm going to move forward and not let this stop me from achieving my goals. Awesome. Fantastic. So I think we'll wrap this one up. Travis, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find my clinic online at pathwaysphysio.com.au. Um, we're also on Facebook, Pathways Physio. Uh, and I like to release uh, good health and exercise information on my Twitter page. Uh, Twitter handle is at Trav Klukin, T-R-A-V-K-L-U-C-K-H-E-N-N. I'll also make sure that, that, that that's a um that's a pretty serious surname you got there. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll make sure also to provide links uh, to where you can be followed uh, on the show notes page awesome. at theweightlosspodcast.com. Travis, thank you so much. Our first official guest. Uh, so for yourself, if you have any questions for us that we haven't touched on today in terms of working around injuries, conditions, etc., feel free to send them through to us. Courtney, now's your chance to get it right. What's our email address? <laughs> Podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com. Are you sure? Yes, I am sure. 100%? Yes. Yes, that's correct. So podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com is where you can email us with uh, your questions, feedback, or abuse. We'll take whatever, won't we? Really. So again, Travis, thank you so much. This has been invaluable. Um, hopefully, we have given you some helpful advice today because... One thing I want to sort of mention just before we wrap this up is that, and Courtney, I'm sure, I, I think both of you guys, Travis and Courtney, will concur with me on this. It's a very rare day now when we have anyone new that comes to work with us that doesn't have a pre-existing condition. Mm. Absolutely. I think I actually would say now what is normal is to have something. Yeah. So if you do have a bit of a fear of getting started because you think you might be too injured, no, you're not. If you've got an injury that just makes you like literally 99% of people that we deal with. Yep. That's just the way it works. So uh, we're going to call that a show. Travis, thank you so much. Thank you heaps for having me, guys. It's been a pleasure to be sitting in this seat and uh, you can go and put some clothes back on. Uh, that will occur later on. Thanks so much, Courtney. Um, yeah, thanks for being here. You're welcome. Killed it as always. Anytime. So uh, that's the end of us. We will speak to you soon. Bye. Get more free tips, listen to previous episodes and contact Matt and Courtney at theweightlosspodcast.com.